Hello and welcome. My name is Kyle Nielsen, and this is How You Level Up, a podcast where I ask questions to help you become your best self. In today's episode, we're going to listen to an old recording from my book, Sharing Treasure. This was originally published in 2018. It's available on Amazon, and it's broken up into a number of different sections. So definitely check out the title to make sure you're listening in chronological order. And please enjoy this section of the book, which is Part 3, Happiness. Part 3, Happiness. Around my 14th birthday, I started to change the wishes I would make when blowing out my candles on the cake. It was a couple of months before my heart had been squashed by a long-time crush and friend. I was lonely and looking for something outside of myself to fill the void which she left. So, on that birthday, I wished to be happy. For nearly ten years after that, I would wish to be happy whether it was a wish on my birthday or a wish upon a shooting star. There was no desire for material things, no wishes for success or fame, simply a wish to be happy. The meaning I placed behind happy changed as my life changed. Sometimes the meaning of happy was to be glad about where I was in life. Sometimes happy meant that I wanted a new way out of the emotional despair or pain. Most of the time, happy meant I wanted my life to be filled with joyous events and fun-filled days but it was only a wish. There was little action behind the wish, because a wish is a plea for something outside of yourself. A wish is a reliance upon an external force for a want of a gift. A wish is outside of your control. I shared this idea with my brother, and he quoted back to me, a wish or a prayer without action is an empty promise. If you want it, You have to work for it. It is a common human behavior to look outside of ourselves to fill the voids within. I have seen countless friends fill internal voids by external means. The breakup of a relationship resulted in a withdrawal from reality with consecutive reckless actions or consumption of drugs, all of which are clearly a means to take the mind off the pain. I have fallen prey to this cycle myself by running to drugs during depressive periods or taking extreme risks. I climbed the scaffolding of a building three stories high on a military base while plastered. I scaled the walls of a hotel five stories up to get back into the room while the card key was in my pocket. I jumped from a secure position on a cliff's edge 300 feet up multiple times and on multiple occasions and I hung on a protruding metal bar 80 feet above the ground and did pull-ups until I could not feel my arms. I did these things because I wanted to feel a rush, and no one was going to tell me otherwise. Even if they did, I'm not sure I would have listened. Why? Because I did not always understand that happiness is created from within. In search of happiness, learn to create. I do not date as much as I used to. It could be because I don't like meeting people at a club or bar, or it could be because I'm not giving myself time to engage with others, or maybe it's both. In the late summer of 2017, I went on a couple of dates with a woman named Talia. Our dates were a lot of fun, and it was easy to connect with her on multiple levels, 
one thing we shared with each other that I found healthy was that we agreed upon certain things which we flat out hated in relationships. Mine was lying, and hers was blowing off plans. I felt things were going smoothly. I was elated, happy beyond my comprehension and sharing it with friends. I was giddy like a schoolgirl, and after a couple of weeks, she blew off a big date I had planned for her, and it crushed me. I was going to take her on a helicopter ride. How cool, right? It did not crush me the day she blew me off. It crushed me days later when she finally provided a reason for why I was ignored. Hey, wow, so sorry. Was just scrolling through my text and saw this. Sam and Liz woke me up at noon on Saturday with a shot in hand, so I must have opened this when I was still half asleep and not realized. Super not cool. Didn't mean to blow you off. My bad. This did not feel sufficient. But who am I to say what is and is not sufficient? Well, it was not good enough for me. But what could I do? I could not force her to like me, and I had only known her for a short while. So why did it sting so much? Was it because she did both of the things we hated? Does it even matter at this point? It took a couple of weeks for me to review why I felt so happy and then so bad. I was happy because I had allowed myself to be vulnerable and was true to who I was with her. She seemed to accept me, and that acceptance felt good. When she blew me off, it felt like a personal jab at the core of who I was showing myself to be. This is both true and untrue, so depending upon how I think about it, it can be hurtful or cause happiness. If I view the disconnection as thinking she does not like me, I am hurt. If I view it as she wants something different than what I have to offer, I am happy. The hurt is obvious, but the happy takes some work. Talia wanted to be true to herself, and I respect that. Why would I want someone to lie to me and make me feel good? It would not be real. I want her to be happy. She didn't do anything wrong. I was just hurt by how she went about it. But as a person, she deserves the best she can get. I was being reactive to her actions, and understanding this helped significantly. I made monetary sacrifices for her in my plans, but that was my decision to make. She did not ask for anything. I wanted to give it, and chose to give. Sometimes we give, and others are not ready or willing to receive. Sometimes we give ourselves until we realize we're not giving at all, we're being taken. In 2014, when I was first residing and going to school in Florida, I became extremely depressed. I was having money issues, and I had left behind Sophia, who had taught me how to love again. We broke up because I moved away, and maybe it would not have worked out, but that's just what happened. It was normal for me to cry when laying down to go to sleep because I had isolated myself physically and emotionally yet again. Before meeting her, I was jumping from girl to girl. I was looking for something more than a fling, only to be left behind when I wanted more, and never left alone when I wanted something else. Our constant communication was becoming a rare occurrence, and I did not feel like I had any friends to go to for support because I had just moved to the area. This day was a day like any other. I parked my Jeep at the local coffee shop where I would go to do homework and be around other people. 
a man sitting outside made a comment about my New Jersey license plates. He told me he used to live in New Jersey when he was younger. I knew the town where he lived, and he knew my hometown too. Ding. My tribe mentality kicked in, and I felt like I could trust him to an extent, more so than the other Floridians with whom I had been surrounded. I was friendly with some of the people in the Veterans Center, where I did homework during class hours, and I was friendly with other people on the club soccer team and a few other people in the area, but those friendships would not really bloom until the new year. He told me he was a photographer and that I had a facial structure of a model. What a compliment. I had modeled before, so as he stroked my ego, it made me feel like I could trust him just a little bit more. His mannerisms had me believe he was gay, and I thought he was just hitting on me. And, again, it felt good. After all, this was not the first time that an older man hit on me. In fact, the first time was when I was 14, and I had a cartilage piercing in my left ear with a silver hoop. I was coming back from visiting my brother in college and had taken the bus. So while waiting outside of the New York Port Authority, I had my bag slung over my shoulder, and someone came up to me and asked for a light for his cigarette. I pulled out a lighter, and he complimented my piercing. That's a nice earring you have there. Where are you coming from? I told him I was just coming back from visiting my brother at Syracuse. You're heading home then. I told him I was waiting for the next bus home, and he asked me more questions, more than small talk required, and it eventually led to the question of whether I was gay. It came as a surprise because it wasn't a question I had anticipated. He seemed like a gentle man, kind. But once he asked me, I realized he was hitting on me too. Your earring, it means you're gay, right? In my teenage drama culture, I believed that the right ear being pierced meant you were gay, not the left. The older man didn't know this, so I took it upon myself to explain to him the different meanings of the piercings. But what did I know? Probably nothing. And the man who had now come out as gay and was paying attention all the same, absorbed it. He believed that I was too, and he told me that is why he came up to me. He thanked me for the new information about piercings and for the light. I thanked him for the compliment and bid him a good day. So when we go back to Florida in 2014, when this photographer, Doyle, told me that he would be willing to show me the ropes of how to model, and that we could even talk about it a little more if I wanted to explore the possibility, I understood that he might just be hitting on me. I knew how to protect myself. I wasn't that 14-year-old waiting outside of the bus stop anymore, and plus the idea of being a male model sounded great to me. I worked out a lot already, was in great shape, and all I needed to do was stand in front of a camera and I would make money? That's a fantasy that could not be more of a win-win. We exchanged numbers and scheduled a date to meet at his apartment and talk more. The night we met, I walked into his building under the impression that if he gave off a weird vibe, I would simply leave. If he tried to forcefully stop me from leaving, I'd beat him up and be done with it. Self-defense would be my explanation for why my hands were bloody. When I walked into his dimly lit apartment with candles flickering, relaxing music playing, and a massage table out on what could have been considered his inside balcony, I was greeted enthusiastically with a firm handshake. I'm a hugger, he said as he clasped my hand with both of his, but we can start out with a handshake. He let go of my hand, walked over to the massage table, and began to fold it up. I had a client of mine shortly before. He placed the table off on the side near the floor, where the ceiling and the window met, 
with thin white satin drapes hanging inches off the floor. The whole apartment had wooden floors, but for about five or six feet next to the window, the floor was white marble tile, creating the inside balcony feeling. Do you want to see the view? Yes, I do. I walked over to the window and he pulled back the drapes, revealing a beautiful view of the pool in his complex below. In the short walk from the pool to the harbor, it was filled with waiting sailboats, and beyond that, a view of the mainland city. Nice, right? I got this apartment a few years ago, and really make as much use of it as possible. He walked over to the lamp and turned it on, blowing out the candles at the same time. All of my clients come here for their massages, but let's talk modeling. I sat down on the couch, and he sat on the chair across from the coffee table. There was a fair distance between us. As he started telling me about who he was and what he did, his demeanor changed from happy and welcoming to serious and focused. Doyle had been a photographer for about 15 years. He worked with men and women. He sometimes shot weddings and family portraits. He told me about a bodybuilding show he once photographed and how he talked one of the guys into a shoot, then sold his photos for a romance novel book cover. He told me that likely, he would get my photos geared more towards the Disney Channel shows because I had that baby face. He once had an interview with a Disney agent for one of his models, someone else he had taught, and the kid acted on a show for a season or two. I do not remember the name of the show, and he did not like this agent because she ended up stealing the kid, so if I got an interview with him, he would be my standing agent in all negotiations, in a sense, taking me under his wing. This was going to be a two-way street. I was going to have to work, and not just pose for the camera and look pretty. Now I wanted to learn more about the modeling industry, and the big players, the top dogs, and how they made an impact. I was required to eat healthier foods, lose a couple of pounds, or rather shred the weight away from my stomach so it was flatter, and try not to injure myself while playing soccer. He said one of the worst things to do is to try to cover up a bruise before a photo shoot. There was a website I would need to create an account with. It was a sort of underground modeling community where working models post pictures. Photographers surf through model accounts and find people they want to do business with, then reach out to them and initiate something. It could also be done the opposite way, where models seek out photographers. Depending upon the level of skill in either the photographer or the model, there would be an exchange of money or prints. The amateur model may have to pay the seasoned photographer for some digital photos, or more for the prints. Or the photographer would need to pay the model to expand their portfolio. This would be a community where I could gain experience and possibly make money if I learned fast enough. Our conversation that night was maybe two hours, but it felt like so much more. There was a ton of information he threw at me, and when I left I felt like he was going to take care of me. He did. In the months that followed, we had multiple shoots which lasted five to six hours each session. We were shooting all day, driving to different locations, and throwing on new clothes and accessories. We spent so much time together that we became friends. I also had no other friends in Florida at the time, so it was an easy click. We would talk about our lives as he would walk me through how to position my head, how to notice the imaginary line to follow with my chin, and how to feel natural in what I believed were uncomfortable positions. He pushed my limits of provocation, doing near-nude shoots where I was naked but would cover myself with lighting, 
a leg, or a hand position, so the actual photo did not reveal anything. When we looked back through the photos for the good ones, he always ended up having some pictures of me showing my junk. Now I asked him to delete all of them, even made him do it the first time in front of me. After that, we simply agreed he would delete them later because we were still working. I am sure he still has some saved against my wishes. Through the modeling website, I met with and did a couple of shoots with photographers who were driving up from Miami. Some came from Orlando. All of them were coming to my area for other businesses, and while they were here, we were able to get some work together and be productive. Doyle warned me never to undress in front of a photographer. He urged me to ask for a bathroom instead, and if there was not one available, to turn my back to them if I needed to change to not incite any unwanted approaches. This new friend and new adventure filled the void created from my lack of friends I had in the area. There was a camaraderie that we had in the creation of this art. If I was to do a day shoot, we would go out for lunch. If we were going to do a night shoot, he would cook dinner, and then we would chat over wine. Throughout my commitment to this endeavor, the strict workout regimen I placed myself on left me sore and stiff. He offered to give me a massage to work out the knots, and I enjoyed the idea of being pampered with a massage and agreed I would give it a try. I entered his apartment one evening after our shoot, and the massage table was out again. I had seen it a few times since we started working together, but now it was out for me. He would always gloat over how good he was as a masseuse, so I came in expecting a lot, and I was not disappointed. After the first massage, I went home feeling like a new man. I was happy. I was creating something, and it felt good to let loose those artistic juices. During this time, I also started to write poetry again. I started to write poems in Florida because I was sad, and the emotions I was feeling felt great to put into words. Putting them on paper and bringing them into reality outside of my head was even slightly therapeutic. I wrote about the sadness I put on myself after the loss of my last girlfriend. The joy the future held for me, and the ability to walk from the dark past into a bright future. Saturday, the 18th of October, 2014, 2312. I hate those times at night when I begin to wander, my restless mind keeping me from needed slumber, as if I don't think enough throughout the day to hold back those dark, creeping thoughts from killing my positively progressive way. Their very act of walking is the skill to fall forwards, and I fell for her. I fell so hard. But as I catch myself now and continue on my path, my feet slowly moving from gritty sand to soft grass, I am reminded that this is a lesson for me, maybe even a blessing for me. For I have never felt more alone than when I was with her in that icy temple, where, underneath the bedsheets next to her, I slept in a tremble. (laughs) Oh no, I'm telling you now, I refuse to feel that pain anymore as I hold my head high and walk away from the door. I will continue my search for the love befriended by honor, so I breathe calmer, because when that sun does come back up and I have awoken, new words can be spoken, with me no longer crushed, no longer broken. Looking back through my poetry, I find my writings are only during serious periods of emotional extremes. I used to believe that my creative flow for writing poetry could only be accessed because I was so emotionally invested in what I was writing. 
When I was emotional, I could express myself through these words, and the words written made the expression become more powerful. This is undoubtedly true. Emotions do carry power. But I was mistaken in believing that I could only be creative during these peaks of sadness or happiness. As I reevaluate my life continually, I have found by writing poetry, I help myself move through these emotional times. These emotions that would overwhelm me were organized into my ever-human patterns, becoming easier for me to understand and to detach myself from, for the emotions are not me, and I am not my emotions. These emotions are feelings I have, and that is it. Wednesday, the 22nd of June, 2011, 2100. There is much talk about me, but what about you? Can you see your truth and see it through? Can you see the levels on which you operate? Can you feel the pressure with which you compensate? By ripping on another, by getting feisty with a brother? Can you hear the waves of your heart, the blood that brushes to each part? Can you smell the sweat that you love so dearly? And can you taste the lips you see so clearly? Can you sense what is wrong on your side? Maybe you don't have a spectrum that wide. I see, I smell, I taste, I feel, I hear and sense, my world's not real. This was not the first time I felt like this, not by a long shot. Looking back through my life, I find there are emotional cycles, ups and downs, twists and turns. It is never as bad as I believe it to be, and the great times do not last forever. But while I am living them, they are fantastic. The next time my friend offered me a massage, I jumped at the opportunity. He left the room, and I laid down, and I placed the towel over my crotch. He came back into the room and asked me about my day, and asked me what I was thinking about for our next shoot. It was totally normal conversation. He was massaging my thighs when he brushed against my package, ever so slightly. I thought it was the towel being moved for a moment, but then a few moments later, it happened again. I felt good because of the massage, and I was so relaxed from the music and the aroma of the candles, I was comfortable with my friend, having done so many hours of work together, and he knew I was not gay. Was he making a move on me? My mind began to question whether he did anything at all. He continued to massage me as if nothing happened. As he continued, I began to create fantasies of possible scenarios where someone was making a move on me. Hell, I had even given massages with follow-up sex before. This environment is ideal for that kind of thing. When he got to my other thigh, he brushed me again. Hey. Sorry, he quickly responded. I didn't mean to. I said it was fine. But as he continued, my mind being where it was, I started to get a little chub. We broke the silence with some conversation until the end of the massage and my soldier retired his excitement. Doyle told me one time about a guy that was so relaxed that he had a full-on boner. He considered it a compliment and a natural response for the massage feeling that good. I said I understood, but that next time he would need to stay away from my crotch area, or it would be a deal-breaker. When the next massage opportunity came around, I felt comfortable because we had spoken and agreed upon boundaries. There was nothing for me to be concerned about, and no unwanted sexual advances were going to be made. We held a photo shoot that night. Dinner and wine followed. When I laid down on the massage table, my wine glass was still on the dinner table, and it had been 
graciously served a few times, and now it was placed within my arm's reach on the lampstand near the massage table. Your wine glass is right here if you need it. Well, yes, I like wine, but I don't need it near me while I'm being massaged. Thanks. I sat up for a moment and took another sip, but with all I had already drank, it could have been a gulp. There was not much conversation because we had been together for a couple of hours already during the shoot and dinner. I let my mind wander and enjoy the soothing massage, soft sounds, and the sweet smells I was experiencing. Being drunk only heightened my hedonistic thought processes. While Doyle massaged my thighs, I felt him brush against me, but ignored it. We spoke about it. He is my friend, and he will respect my boundaries. He did it again, and moved far down the leg, all in one fell swoop. A tingle ran up my spine. Hey, be careful. He did not say anything and continued the massage. My mind was all over the place. I felt myself becoming aroused, but it was fine. He said this had happened to him before, and it was a compliment. The massage did feel good, and so I let myself relax as he moved from one leg to the other. There was no hiding how I felt now, so fuck it. I let my mind explore possible scenarios for who I would want to be with me and what I would do. I jumped from images of women with whom I had been in the past to women I wanted to be with in the future and back again. My soldier was at a full salute, and I don't remember how long he was holding me before I noticed. I can massage this too. Wait, I was feeling good. Why is he doing that? It felt so good and I didn't want to say anything, but why was I hard in the first place? Was I somehow attracted to him, or turned on by this? That must be it. There was no other explanation. By now the massage was warmer, and it felt wetter. A familiar slurping noise echoed in my ear. What the fuck is happening? Why is this happening? Why would he do this? Did I do something? Why was he ignoring what I had said before? Am I wrong for not wanting this? Stop. He lifted my legs up, and my weight shifted onto my shoulder blades. I gripped the sides of the table as to not fall backwards onto my head. My balance was all fucked up, and I could not orient myself. My head was spinning. Did I like what was happening? Maybe I could try to like it? I was completely out of control as his head buried into my crotch. Stop for a second. He did not. Moving from the front to the back, he made a comment about how this was amazing or awesome. I don't remember exactly, but I remember the prickling of his five o'clock shadow against my inner thigh. I had never felt anything like that before. I let go of the table with one arm and put it on the top of his head, pushing him down and back. He moved a little under the strength I was able to exert. That's enough. He put my legs back down. I was not hard anymore, and my eyes were held tightly shut. I lay naked, oiled on the table. He leaned over and pecked a kiss on my lips, asked me if I wanted to continue the massage or finish. Finish, I said, now. When I was clothed, I told him I didn't like that, and I saw he held back a smirk. He apologized and said he was sorry, that it would not happen again, and that he got carried away because he was drinking too. We were planning on doing a shoot again in two days, and I needed to regroup. When I left and went home, I questioned who I was. Did I know that he was going to do that and let it happen? How could I have left myself in such a vulnerable state? 
I'm supposed to be a badass, not afraid of anything, yet I felt like a helpless child. Did I like it? Is that why I let it go so far? I did not have the answers to these questions, and only more questions arose as I pondered the evening's event. I showered when I got home because I wanted to feel comfortable again. I wanted a warmth outside of me to hold me and tell me everything was going to be okay. I wanted to wash away the night and be happy again by morning. I recall a conversation with my ex about her time as a lesbian. She was a free spirit in many ways. I would relate her to the Greek myth creatures that are nymphs, feeling free enough to sleep with whom they pleased. She told me she felt no emotional difference between being with a man or a woman. If she felt there was electricity between herself and them, why not act upon your feeling? We often judge ourselves through a cultural lens, but it truly does not matter what society and culture said about your actions if the action does not harm anyone. I felt the answers to these questions of free love were simple in their conclusions. Why care what others think? So, did I like Doyle? Is that why I let it happen? No, I didn't request this, yet it happened anyway. My mind jumped from the idea of being with a man to the feeling that I had been assaulted. My happiness was being questioned. What was it that truly made me happy during this time? Was it because of my time spent with him, or was there another reason for my changing emotional state? Whenever I am happy, there are similar underlying causes, perhaps more correctly, correlations. I don't understand the exact cause of why I begin to feel happy, but I understand that my happiness is correlated to my actions, the actions of creation and experiencing novelty, the fulfillment of the innate human desire to explore what is unknown. Are you someone who says that you will try anything once? I am. It's both thrilling and terrifying at the same time. I rescheduled our next shoot. I needed more time to think. The feelings of uneasiness still hung in my gut. Nausea tiptoed at the back of my throat. Was I okay with this? In my mind, I was beginning to understand that he was a substitute for the void created when I first moved to Florida. The act of creating art with my body was the thrill and fulfillment I wanted and truly appreciated, but the area was now tarnished for me. I had gone home for Thanksgiving, and my mother shared an experience with me where she was attempting to be a model, and the photographer placed her in an uncomfortable position. My father, her boyfriend at the time, picked her up immediately, and she did not model after that. I knew I had done the same thing, but this was my mother's story. I thought I was smarter. I thought I knew better, and I thought I could approach my circumstances differently. Yet, was it really any different? I lied to them and said this was not the same situation as her story, but it was. When I went back to Florida, I met with him a couple more times. We met for a shoot and a massage. There is no such thing as a free lunch. He helped me create a portfolio, one I half enjoyed and half found too feminine for my representation. Each time I went in for a massage, I asked him not to do it, that I did not feel comfortable, that I only wanted a massage, and each time he would brush against me, building a questioning feeling within me again. I disliked that my body reacted with him. He did not bring me joy. I never finished. I always asked him to stop mere minutes, if not seconds, into it. I tried to see if this action was enjoyable, if this was where I could find some happiness too. But it was not. Not with him.
my relationship with Doyle ended. I did not speak to him when I went home for the holidays, and he never tried to reach out to me again. When I finally told my parents what happened with Doyle, how he had taken advantage of me in a vulnerable state, my mother shared some words that resonate with me. To paraphrase her eloquence, we're human beings, and part of being human is the being part. Sometimes, when we are simply trying to be, be in that moment, be in inexperience, people can take advantage of that. It's hard to recognize it when you're in the moment, and it doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean you are wrong. What had I learned? Where was the lesson in this? How could I move forward stronger and wiser than before? It would be years before I could begin to understand and know, and time would pass before I would experiment with guys my age. I never disapproved of the idea of homosexuality. It is beautiful. It doesn't matter who people were. If there's two people together that share an interest in kindred spirits, it's lovely to be around, even intoxicating. I tested the waters of those unanswered questions, testing my feelings. Sometimes I enjoyed the act, and sometimes it brought me back to that table, at the mercy of a man who was supposed to be my friend, and it terrified me. I learned from those experiences about myself. I learned and continue to learn from all my experiences. I learned not to fear my emotions. I learned to trust my gut, and when I did not feel right about a situation, I learned to walk away. I was searching for happiness outside of myself, but what I found was a fabricated reality that once it bore its true face, it was twisted and malicious. The happiness I was feeling during my time with Doyle was in the work, not in the sexual advances forced upon me. I learned that by enjoying the act of learning, I could create something that brought me joy. I learned I could not wish for happiness. I would have to create it. The happiness was in the creation of something to share with others. When we learn, happiness can be created and shared. Thank you for listening to another episode of How You Level Up, where I ask questions to help you become your best self. Now, I put this podcast together because I wanted to help you build up your emotional independence, your communication skills, and take the next step in your personal philosophy. If you liked this episode, turn on your phone and hit the like and subscribe button, give a five-star rating, and I'll see you on the next episode of How You Level Up.